Jones, 30, 35, 40, he's in midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And Down the Sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me News Network, and this is the 43rd episode of the podcast on October 17th, 2013. Well, we're a couple weeks away from a lot of the sminjas in the Show Me Your News Network community going to Yomacon in Detroit, Michigan. It's going to be a, a fun time down there. And that's too bad you couldn't go this year. Yeah, I just, the way that my schedule worked out, I'm helping out with something that weekend, and, you know, it doesn't always work out, but I'm going to try and plan on going next year, and, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe sometime this year I can make it up to Michigan and visit you guys or something like that. Well, that'd be great. And you could even, you know, maybe plan some more Sminja meetups and all that. That's always Yeah, a, a we got time. Moses up here in Pittsburgh. I should definitely go to a sporting event with him sometimes. Maybe we'll go to a hockey game together. Oh, definitely. How has your sporting week been? Uh, it's all right. Uh, college team didn't have a game, so I didn't have to plan watching that around other games so I could watch everything else on Saturday. And boy, oh boy, it was just like all upsets happened at once. I, it seems like there's always one weekend where there's way more upsets than anyone expected. And uh, unfortunately... You know, your team fell victim to one of those, but yeah. um, there were, I mean, there were a lot, and, and I mean, that, that Michigan-Penn State game was probably one of the more thrilling games you'll see all year, and really because... Just how you define thrilling. And then <laughs> For uh, those who are neutral, yes, it was certainly thrilling. Yeah, um, but yeah, lots of upsets, uh, you know, a few in the NFL, um, and... Uh, it's a pretty good sports weekend. You know, you got playoff baseball going on at the same time. So there's always something to watch right now, which is really nice. That's true. That has been body slamming my entire week is playoff baseball with the Tigers. And it's been, you know, good to watch. And it's also been so, so very frustrating to watch. Um, like you said, Michigan, uh, that weekend was just not a good weekend. And it makes it really tough when we, you know, make the picks against the spread and then these upsets happen just randomly <laughs> well um and then you know I, I believe tomorrow a lot of schools are doing their you know their midnight madness basketball things yeah yep. and uh yep. so you know that's got to be pretty big for you guys because of the way that you finished last year they're, they're in the preseason top 10 and it's been yep. a long time since or at least it feels like since that happened mm-hmm. you know, put off the expectations of last year which going to a final four that's that's unheard of you know since the days of uh we they don't speak of those days at michigan anymore anyway last week we talked about the struggle of the atlanta falcons and uh they were on a bye were they um they, no they played someone i, I can't even remember let's let's look it up because we can try to check back and see you know how they did the next week or how that's coming along the progression of that Pretty sure they had a buy. Yeah, they had a, had a buy yep. last week, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because they need to get healthy, and yeah, that's going to be going to be a big help for them. Uh, Jerry Kill taking the leave of absence for Minnesota. He's still not back yet. 
mm-hmm. and uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs, which we'll get to later in the Red Zone, where we talk about the three biggest sports stories of the week. We're going to start off with college basketball. Like you said, you know, those you know Midnight Madness, uh, they're starting soon. They actually released the preseason coaches poll, the top mm-hmm. ten. Uh, at one, you had Kentucky, two, Michigan State, three, Louisville, four, Duke, five, Arizona, six, Kansas, seven, Syracuse, eight, Florida, nine, Michigan, and ten, Ohio State. No big surprises to me. <laughs> not, not particularly. I mean, Michigan was number two. Uh, I'm sorry, Michigan State was number two in the preseason last year. They have a really solid basketball program. So, But then, you know, one, Kentucky, and three, Louisville. I mean, the, those are your two... Yep. National champions in you know, reverse order, right there. So it's it's a it's a good basketball state for sure. But we're going to talk about Andrew Wiggins, who was one of the top prospects, you know, that were just coming into college this year. Him along with Jabari Parker, who went on and selected Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Wiggins went and chose Kansas, and so he's going to be playing for Bill Self in the fall. A lot of hype behind Andrew Wiggins, uh, almost synonymous to the LeBron James hype. You know, ten years ago, and that was you know two thousand three. You know, whereas LeBron could just you know come out of high school and go right in the NBA draft and be the number one pick overall. The rules have changed since then, obviously, and now players have to at least spend one year in college before going pro. Uh, Dwight Howard was the last player to go straight out of high school and actually end up being the number one pick. Uh, but since then, you know, they made the rule change, and then you had players. You know, like Greg Oden, who played a year at Ohio State, and Kevin Durant, who played a year at Texas. Uh, you know, players like that who was just the the one and done type. Uh, so Andrew Wiggins is the next big deal, and you know we don't follow college basketball that closely, but like his was a name that like was kind of on my radar. Like mm-hmm. him and Jabari Parker, like those were, you know, when those big recruits come up and the country gets you know the focus on where they end up, like you pay attention. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, look at Kentucky. They've pretty much made a living on just getting, you know, as many of those kind of guys as they can get. And though often it ends up, you know, them staying there for one year and going to the NBA, they've put together some good teams, some really good teams. And, um, you know, guys like this can kind of turn everything around. Mm-hmm. Basketball is much different than football, you know, in in the sense that there's only five people out on the court at one time. So that one player has a much bigger impact on the game compared to where you need to have a really really good player in football to be able to do that. Absolutely. So um, it's you know it's very important where he goes, and um, you know you talk about uh, being a number one draft pick, you're making tons of money. But most of the money, whenever you know someone comes in like that, is made through TV deals, uh, advertising, that kind of stuff. That's where you make the big money, and that's I mean that's what LeBron James did. That's what a lot of these really big uh, players in the NBA they they still have these. You know, Kobe Bryant still has big contract. Yeah. Um. But you know he's pretty much going on his way out now. I mean that's kind of the way you got to look at it, and so. It's fresh blood like these guys that, you know, you know, Adidas, Nike, all these companies, they fight over. They want, you know, they want this guy to be their next one. But you also have to consider who do they already have signed, you know? Yeah, their last big one was Derrick Rose. They mm-hmm. inked him to a big deal. And then well, well the, the injury happened and he still has yet to come back yep. from that. And I mean, I think Derrick Rose is going to have a big year. So 
they'll probably see you know some return on that investment, but you know it's going to be a a little bit coming for them. Yeah. But the, while we're talking about Andrew Wiggins, uh, as far as you know these shoe companies, is that uh, according to reports, this you know comes from Bleacher Report. You can find the link in our show notes and a really really interesting article to read overall. Uh, but basically, reports are saying that they are looking at a big, big, big contract for Andrew Wiggins when he comes out of school. Now, obviously, they can't pay him when he's in school. That would be breaking NCAA law. But you know, when he becomes an NBA player, there are rumors that they're looking to do a 10-year deal from 140 to 180 million dollars for yeah. Adidas. And you know, Nike rumor that they're going to try to match it, but Adidas would be the front runner. That's crazy. That's crazy it money. That's a lot of money. Um, that's a lot of money for anything, <laughs> anything yeah. at all. Um, and I mean, there's companies that could never make that much money. That's more uh, than his playing contract is going to be. <laughs> exactly. And. Uh, the, there, there's a point made about, um, you know, each school out there um, usually has a contract with a certain, you know, company to make yeah, their apparel. That's true. And, you know, Kansas uses Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan which, uses, well, at least for their football team, uses Adidas, yeah. Yeah, and so um, the interesting thing about that is, um, you know, if somebody from Adidas wants to, you know, they have they have people bring in the stuff. Whenever they have people bring in, you know, the, the apparel, whatever, to ship it in, they can have somebody from Adidas come in and, you know, watch him practice. Yeah. Those kind of things. Have personalized shoes made for him because they they can make them for the whole team. That kind of thing. That's oh, I was all- going to say, like that... Well, it's no. gotta be for the home team. A whole team well, it can't no, just be for I mean, him. They can do that, and they can make them like individual for each player, and in that way, they are giving him the shoe right. that he wants. That's all legal because yes. they have that say, contract yeah. signed. Yeah, Nike can't. You can't, can't, do, you can't do, do the whole like. Yeah. Here, Andrew, we're gonna make a shoe for you. And pass <laughs> it under the no, side. no, yeah, <laughs> but like the, the 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 thing that's nice about that is that they can kind of. Uh, step over lines that a lot of people would look at it and be like, whoa, wait a second. Mm-hmm. He's still in college. What are you doing? And Nike can't do that because this is an Adidas school. Um, now, a lot of people were saying that's one of the reasons that he chose uh, that school. It might have been, but it's Kansas. He's going to get recognized for going to school there because yeah. they're probably going to win the Big 12. They're probably going to go far in the NCAA. His name's going to get out there. His price tag is going to go up higher the farther yeah. they go in the tournament. And that's a, I mean, that's exactly what he was thinking. Very smart move by him. He's only going to make more money from it. As long as he doesn't get injured. I mean, as you always... Has, yeah. yeah, he can't just go straight in the NBA. You can't do that anymore. So... You know, it's always risking something playing like this. But usually, as long as they don't get injured, they usually elevate their status by doing this. Mm-hmm. So, so we make the play in our predictive development of the show here. Will Andrew Wiggins, who actually comes from Canada, yep, very interesting to note. Will Wiggins be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft? What do you think? I was just like I was saying. As long as he doesn't get injured, I really don't see why he shouldn't. Um. You know, at least 
for I mean the the attention that he's already getting I think I really don't think even if he has a lackluster year you know playing or whatever I don't think that's really going to hurt him I, I I think as long as he doesn't hurt himself he's not hurting himself mm. <laughs> so I'd say yeah I I mean again I really haven't looked out there to see what you know the draft boards predict for all the players and you always have foreign players that you, I mean, we hardly know about at all yeah. until the draft comes around and some of those players end up being really good. Um, at least from what I've seen, you know, that's in college right now going to the pros probably next year. I don't think he should has much to worry about as far as like looking at the senior classes, because that's where you're going to see a lot more people that have been playing and like you know, have a shot. But usually, that usually it's loaded with guys who are either going in there for one year or foreign players. That's true. No, I think it's a pretty deep draft as far as I know. And it depends how he plays throughout the year. Um, it depends how competition like Jabari Parker from Duke would play. But I'm gonna go as as likely as it might seem that he would be the number one pick. I'm gonna go that he isn't the number mm-hmm. one pick. I think you know there are just too many variables in the mix, and you know we saw this past year with the NBA draft. Yeah, I know there wasn't like a, a sure slam dunk pick. I couldn't tell you who the number one pick was this past <laughs> year. I know it was a guy, a big guy from NC State. He went to the Cavs. His name, I don't know. I could look it up, or you have you know diehard NBA fans who'd be screaming at me you know right now, but. Honestly, like the the draft sometimes is unpredictable. Yeah, and it's so about what teams need and who moves up. I'm gonna go with the variable, predictable craziness element to the draft, and I'll say he'll be very high up there. But the number one pick might not be a sure thing just yet. Yeah, I mean, if the team that you know is at the top there really needs a center. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe it's just not going to happen unless somebody yeah. decides to trade picks or something crazy. I it's really hard to predict. Anything the only reason happen. I'm thinking that it might happen is because of the surrounding cast around him at Kansas, well, it's making be a very him good team. even better than he probably is. Yeah. All right. Why don't we go to the ten yard play here? Oh, okay. So, um, you know. Matt Schaub has been in the news about his lackluster play this year, um, turning the ball over way too much. Now he's the quarterback and, for the Houston Texans. Yes, um, and uh, you know, so in this past weekend's game against St. Louis, he, um, you know, he got an ankle injury, and when that happens, you know, you hate to see any player, especially, you know, your quarterback get hurt. I mean, you know, this guy's pretty much elevated the Texans to where they were and why they had such big expectations going into the year. And uh, the fan, the home fans uh, cheered when he got injured. And um, that's never a good thing. I, 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 anytime anybody gets hurt, you should never cheer. I don't know why you would do that. Um, I guess some fans just don't really have much class. Uh, you can be upset with how he's been playing, but um, I I don't think it's going to get any better with the other quarterbacks you have. 
Yeah, it's... See, here's the thing. I, I heard a really good opinion from this, and I think it was on Mike and Mike in the morning. To the logical, sensible person, it does make no sense to cheer an injury. I, I absolutely can be frustrated with his play. You know, he's thrown a lot of you know, interceptions returned for touchdowns. The Texans are off to a 2-4 and four start, which is not what they were expecting. And you're absolutely right. He is the quarterback that led them to the playoffs last year, which is you know further than they had ever been in their history the past couple of years. He's, in a sense, along with you know Andre Johnson and you know J.J. Watt's also a big part, too, on their defense. He's one of your franchise players that's helped you get this far. That said, football audiences and crowds are not logical. They are intoxicated. They are usually, rowdy. Yeah, usually. You have people who want to start fights. You have a lot of really dumb people attending NFL games. And it doesn't make for an intelligent, empathetic crowd. So you'll have you know, people who could be cursing at families and kids are there and ruining their experience and they're slobbering drunk and they need help you know being carried in to the stadium not out of into the stadium because of tailgates and whatnot so in that regard considering what else happens at nfl games yeah the the cheering of injuries might make a little more sense because you are kind of tapping into that illogical part of fandom Mm -hmm. that that crudeness in a way if you were. Yeah. That said, you know, logically speaking, it's it's never a good idea. And fortunately it's it's not a terrible career threatening, you know, type of injury. It's it's an ankle injury. He'll be out, he's gonna miss this game. And yeah, you're bringing in TJ Yates. I, I believe now they're going to be starting Case Keenum. Oh. Who played at Houston, hey, Houston I believe. Houston boy, yeah. And Houston, he Houston. um I'm trying to think what else. He was, who was, I think, wasn't Sumlin his coach when he was there? Who was there at Houston? That was Kevin Sumlin, who is the coach who's now at Texas yeah. A&M doing the mm-hmm. passing attack. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I mean, he, when he was in, he's like the all-time leading passer in college football history something or something like, like that. that. Yeah, He's throwing them, you know. Throws the ball over the place. Doesn't I don't have know, those good kind of mobility. records only go so far. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had Colt Brennan. From Hawaii, you had that touchdown record. I think with uh, Houston's offensive line struggling this year, um, it would be nicer to have somebody who could roll out of the pocket, get out of the situations. One thing Case Keenum is, is not mobile. <laughs> and uh, I, I think Matt Schaub much more mobile than him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't like to see those kind of uh, injuries cheered. I mean, you don't like to see any injury cheered. And, I, you know... I'm I'm so used to like everybody being quiet when something like that happens because they're worried. Yeah. But I guess uh, it's a know? different thing though. I mean, you're talking about college athletes. Assuming that you're talking about the the West Virginia games you go to. Yeah, I mean, college... I mean even the Steelers games I've been to, people mm. were, which is surprising because you know Steelers <laughs> yeah. fans are crazy, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure every game I've been to for the Steelers, they I. Usually everyone's quiet and claps when they get the player off the field. So, but you can't expect that from everyone. There are people that are so drunk they sh- probably should not even be there. Oh no, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, if you ever have a bad experience at a football game or any sporting event because somebody's intoxicated, just 
remember that that's not a representation of the whole fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have your afternoon ruined by somebody who's just being a jerk, and there are a lot of really nice people out there. Yeah. But, you know, that's the, the NFL environment. <laughs> it is a little bit crazy, and so... I don't think you know, people should be like saying like, "Oh, shame on the Houston Texan fan base." Like, they probably having more plays than you'd expect, considering. Oh yeah, like how... if you were to compare the Washington, like the college team Washington's fan base to Seattle's fan base, completely different group of people. Um, uh, you think really... a, a fan base like, you know, the Oakland Raiders? Oh yeah. <laughs> like if those are hostile fans, mm-hmm. so. I don't know, you can't just say, like, oh, boo, shame on Texas. Plus, everything's bigger in Texas, so there you go. <laughs> uh, let's make the play here, our predictive element. How many wins do the Texans get this year? Wins on the schedule. Um, I'm going to go and say seven. I think they've just had some you know, bad luck with some of these games. I mean, losing to Seattle in overtime, that's that's a heartbreaker. That's, yeah, um, they should have won that game. Now, some of these losses, you can't excuse that but here's the deal you're facing jacksonville twice you're in the same division as them those are two wins chalk them up i I know that they you know they kept it a little closer than expected with the broncos but that is not a good football team and you Mm -hmm. look at their stats this is the the best secondary right now in terms of opponents passing yards in the nfl it's you know nothing really stands out they're you know one of the worst in giving up you know, yards on the ground, but this isn't, you know, in terms of general statistics, this isn't like a really bad team. Mm-mm. So it's shocking that they've lost four in a row, but I don't think they're talented enough to, you know, be making a playoff run. I think you're going to get some of these wins back. Arizona is beatable. Oakland is beatable. Uh, Tennessee is making it a little tougher, but they might be you know stealing one of these games. Maybe you know a home game against Indianapolis. They might you know be. Able, I mean that'll be in a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. Home at night on NBC. Like, it's a big environment. They off they Dubai. know each other that. very well. I think that's what might help them against Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, the division rivals. I mean yeah. that's usually you are closer games than than you would expect. Um, so I'm gonna go seven wins. Yeah. Uh, toughest games on their schedule: New England and Denver. Mm-hmm. I think that's safe to assume. Yeah. Um. So it. I mean, even if they, either even if they can't steal one of those games, there's still a lot of winnable games on this schedule. Especially considering that there are a lot of really good players on this team, yeah. on defense and offense. I mean, you know, as bad as their offense has been finishing drives, they move the ball. They still move the ball very well. I mean, they're what they're sixth in rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, if they can get Matt Schaub back, and he and it's not like a nagging injury, the rest of the year, they're definitely going to win at least seven games. I'll go eight. I'll say they pull an upset. All right, so. there you go. All right, now we get to the five yard. Story, the biggest sports story of the week is the baseball playoffs. I mean, anytime you get playoffs, it's going to be a big deal. And right now in the, the, the uh, league championship series, 
Right now in the National League, you have St. Louis up on the Dodgers, 3-2, to two, going back to St. Louis for Game 6 and 7. St. Louis had a 3-1 lead, and the last couple times they've had that, they've blown it. They've lost the series. So Dodgers are trying to fight back with that. they got some you know, power in mm-hmm. Game 5 there. And now they've got Kershaw and Ryu going for their last two games, uh, which God, I think I saw the statistic when the Cardinals were facing those two starting pitchers. They went 5 for 41 against them. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if that, you know, makes a difference. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you watch, like, Game 3, um, you know, part of Game 4 and then Game 5, you can tell the Dodgers are definitely pushing them now. Um, mm-hmm. The Those first two games, uh, especially, I mean, those could have been anyone's games, really. Mm-hmm really close i mean it neither team's blowing the other one out and anything uh i don't know i just i kind of feel like right now you know even you know going there i i i like the dodgers <laughs> i do yeah and that, that's our predictive element here we make the play will the dodgers come back to make it to the world series i, I mean we picked them before i i really hope they do please please <laughs> Don't want to see the Cardinals again. I don't know though. I, I it's tough to pick against the Cardinals when like they're in this kind of position. They're playing this well, and I really do want to pick the Dodgers. I'm I want to stick true to my prediction, but you have those two pitchers for the Dodgers, and you have uh, Waka and Wainwright. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's tough. I think. Watching St. Louis, even in the ninth inning there, they were down 6-2. to two, And they had a position to tie that game. St. Louis is a feisty team. Yeah. And I, I don't know when you know the Dodgers' power runs out. If it does, you know that big streak during the year might be for naught. Well, let's just say with the other series, if your team makes it through, who do you want to play? I want to play the Dodgers. Okay. I think that would be a more entertaining game because I'm sick of the Cardinals. Okay. Well, I mean, do you think it would be a more like entertaining game or a more winnable game? They're both very good teams. Uh, yeah. They both have really good starting pitchers. I think it's kind of a wash in that regard. Mm. I don't think there would be you know one team I'd prefer to face over another just to make it easier for my team. Okay. Uh, so... I mean, maybe the Cardinals will make it easier because it's only going to central time as opposed yeah. to going out in the Pacific. But then again, you know, the American League has the advantage uh, for home field in the World Series this year. So Yeah, they do. That's, that's tough to say. Um, I haven't been paying, paying as much attention to the National League, though, to be honest. I don't know if you have. I saw, you know, pretty much I, the last yeah, half. Yeah, I've watched the two games the Dodgers won. Yeah, so keep watching. That's all. That's the thing. You got to keep watching how the Dodgers win. Um, no, I've been more paying attention to the American League because my Detroit Tigers are in there. For those that don't know, I live in the Metro Detroit area, so it is kind of a big deal right now. Uh, the team that's you know, made the World Series last year and they've been to three straight ALCS uh, series. You know, the the first game was on Saturday for Game 1, and that was coming off of this crushing, crushing Michigan loss where they choked and played not to lose, and Detroit had a no-hitter going into the ninth inning. 
Uh, Anibal Sanchez had started to you know pitch, pitch three innings. The the uh, bullpen, despite how shockingly bad they've usually been, they kept the no hit going and uh, broken up with one out in the ninth inning. And it was a situation where since Detroit only scored one run, they almost lost that game and choked that effort away. So they they win game one. Mm-hmm. They're up five to nothing in the seventh inning. In game two, they're up five to one in the eighth inning. David Ortiz base loaded grand slam. Yeah, like I, Twitter kind of blew up. <laughs> I mean, this is you're on the road in Boston for the first two games. You have a chokehold on the series, trying to go up two to nothing. And this bullpen that's they hadn't had a consistent closer all year, except for Joaquin Benoit, who was their setup man. Our setup man, he moved him to the closer spot out of necessity because they just haven't had the staff for a good bullpen. It could be what is their downfall, that and their inconsistent offense. Mm-hmm. So blowing that game, and then there's a walk-off hit when the game was you know tied in the ninth inning. But by that point, when you blow a four-run lead in the eighth inning, uh, that's, that's inexcusable. Uh, so they lost that game. They come back and lose one to nothing after Justin Verlander has a fantastic game. They lost their they lost their Scherzer and Verlander starts and that's that's crazy. Uh then they change up their lineup and rock Jake Peavy who had a really bad game yesterday. So the decisive game five that'll push the series one way or another towards a series clinching game is tonight. It's very soon. It starts in twenty or so minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not about to give my prediction because this is, the series has been too bat crap crazy. It's it's just been nuts. It's been so stressful, and you know the times that it's been, you know the Tigers have handled it like it. even then. Like, are they gonna blow it? Is the bullpen gonna choke? Uh, it's been a series where like the starting pitching has been phenomenal on near historic levels, mm-hmm. and. Boston has had a great difficulty to hit it. Yeah. When they do make contact, though, it's at key moments. I mean, the one nothing game in Game 3. It's a random Mike Napoli home run in the seventh inning that Justin Verlander challenges on a 3-2 high fastball. And Napoli goes up and gets it, knocks it out. It was his only hit in the series. Yeah. David Ortiz, the grand slam. It's his only hit in the series. Jared Saltalamaki hit the walk-off hit in Game 2. It's his only hit in the series. Yeah, they're not getting many chances, but when they get them, they're... It's at the key moments. And, you know, Detroit had a five-run second inning yesterday that helped them win 7-3. to three. And that those seven runs were, you know... The, no, the, here's go. The five runs in that inning, in that second inning, mm-hmm. are two more than the run support they've given Justin Verlander in his three starts in the postseason. Jeez. Like, that's how inconsistent this offense is. I know I can talk about the Detroit Tigers and all that because I live and I breathe and I listen to sports radio here, and that's that's my focus right now with baseball. So, I know I didn't... And we had, like, you know, picks one way or another if, you know, Detroit or Oakland would win that series that we, you know, predicted last week. And I said that if Detroit move on, that, you know, Boston would probably win. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought they were you know, the best offensive team in the league, and I didn't think Detroit starting pitching would shut them down to this extent. But the Detroit offense has to at least match that then, if you're going to yeah. get such amazing performances. 
I mean, I think the starting pitchers have honestly only let up maybe one earned run. <laughs> Two earned runs, maybe? It's something Jeez. remarkably, just remarkable. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so making the play, we're you know, asking about the Dodgers. I hope they do. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to pick that the Cardinals do because those starting pitchers, they're pretty even. And I was watching the second half mm-hmm. of that game yesterday. The grit that they showed in the ninth inning when they're down four runs and they almost pulled it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's impressive. And, you know, when the Dodgers power fizzles out, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Let's get to the replay really quickly. We got the the games that we picked last week and uh, got a good chunk of them go incorrectly. Starting with Missouri at Georgia. Minus eight. Mizzou. Missouri. Mizzou. They uh, <laughs> put the beat down on Georgia at home. Georgia's favored by eight. Missouri wins 41-26. to uh, You know, those offensive injuries caught up to Georgia. And I thought they would have the motivation to bounce back at home. So did you. Uh, yeah. But then Missouri loses their quarterback. Yeah, Franklin, and that's oh, that's a tough blow. That it really is because he was the star of this game. I, they could not stop him at all. When he wasn't hurt, he was scoring points. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess a lot of people. I I think I for one forgot what Missouri's record was. Yeah, even um, and they're undefeated. They're pretty good. Um, and you know, it really is a shame, you know, going in this next week, they're not going to have him. Yeah. It um, is. because, uh, I mean, kind of looked unstoppable on offense and, uh, you know, played pretty good defense because Georgia has been scoring a lot of points every game. And, you know, you, they do had, they did have those offensive injuries, especially, you know, they can't even find a running back anymore because they're all getting hurt. Um, Still have one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And um, he struggled. I mean, they really got to him a lot. And I think, you know, obviously the lack of a running game is going to impact that. But I was impressed with Missouri. Mm-hmm. And that's brutal for Georgia. They were in the clear for their schedule because uh, they had a really, really tough gauntlet of games mm-hmm. early on. Uh, that's that's really tough for them. Let's see a national championship host. That. Yep. SC East is all sorts of jumbled up. Another big upset, Oklahoma at Texas, the Red River rivalry. Oh, I was trying to say that three times fast. <laughs> My goodness, that was awful. Red River rivalry uh, as the Sooners were favored by two touchdowns. Texas mm-hmm. goes in. Mac Brown at home, under pressure, hot seat, 36-20. The Longhorns take it. Yeah, and it wasn't It wasn't even that close, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty surprised because I thought Oklahoma's defense – was a lot better this year um but i, I it's, it's almost like texas woke up and realized this team is full of like five-star recruits we should be a lot better than we are mm-hmm. and especially on defense i'm really impressed well, because home was passing the ball a lot well yeah i mean to that point i that does not make it Run the oh. ball at Texas. We were and, even saying, like, I know, like, we do, you know, podcasts on the side. We're not professional analysts or anything, but we're saying, run the ball. You don't have to be. All you have to do is watch the games and realize how many times teams have run the ball and how many yards they're getting each game. I mean, BYU, really Outside. not that good of a rushing team, ran for a record number, probably more yards than they've run for in three years. 
in that game. And uh, I, I don't know. Years combined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just it seems really str- especially when you've got Blake Bell yeah. and your backup quarterback's a runner too. I I don't really understand. Um, Shocking. You got a lot of running backs too. I don't, I don't know. Well, I guess Mac Brown's good for another week. Yeah, I mean those rivalry games can go a long way. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he might be all right if they you know continue. Uh, Florida went to the Bayou at LSU. The Tigers favored by seven and they win by eleven, seventeen to six. Uh, LSU is a good team. Yep. You know, not one of the elites, but good team in the SEC. And you know, with those, that competition, that's that's saying a lot. Yeah, and, and Florida's defense is really good. So, um, you know, scoring enough points to beat them is pretty hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did Oregon go to Washington, uh, favored by 13 and a half? And they were keeping it at that 14 margin for a long time. Uh, then Oregon gets the extra touchdown. They win it by 21, 45 to 24. And probably one of the more like impressive win- wins by a team this year that I've seen. Because... Oregon hasn't really played anyone that's challenged them mm-hmm. this year. And, you know, they they haven't played a hard schedule, but they haven't really played an easy schedule e- either. I mean, go- traveling to the places that they've traveled, um, like to Virginia. Um, didn't, did they go to Tennessee? I, c- I can't remember. Mm, I believe they did, yes. Okay, yeah. So, they, you know, they've definitely gone on the road and played in some hostile places could have been some trap games yeah yeah, this was definitely the first game that they played a really good team because i i still think washington's really good um and offensively washington i think they're right there with ucla you know Mm. really dynamic offense um and i i think just oregon speed way too much i it's like it seems like every game once you get if if you're close with them in the third quarter they just put it on you yes those, those garbage points you gotta check out uh, oregon's pink helmets that they're gonna wear this <laughs> week for uh for breast cancer awareness that's gonna be something michigan went into happy valley at penn state they were favored by two and uh, there are no words your, your kicker misses three kicks to outright win the game boom done right there mm-hmm. first one is 52 yards away doesn't have enough leg that's a tough one as time expires i get that then you know, Penn State's, you know, they missed the field goal. Um, <laughs> then you miss, you know, you don't even miss. You get a field goal blocked from 40 yards mm. after Penn State misses a field goal. Then on the next you know, overtime, Penn State fumbles the ball on an attempted reverse on the first play. Michigan doesn't do much with it. They move the ball a little bit. 33-yarder pushes it to the left. Mm. It's just nauseating to watch, especially with the Michigan State what fan would, in the room. What would you say with the overall, you know, field goal kicking aside, the overall offensive performance by Michigan? They're trying to do this whole Michigan football thing that's kind of in the ethos of Michigan legend where it's the the hard-nosed, run the football, that kind of thing. And Brady Hoke is building the program back to that. But there are still some hangovers of the Rich Rodriguez era where you bring in the more 
skill athletes. Uh, the line, offensive line, is not that good right now. The the star recruits that we've you know brought in, they're not living up to their potential. Yeah, and they're not making the holes for running backs. Fitzgerald Toussaint, the starting running back, had 27 carries. Mm-hmm. You want to guess how many yards he ran for? Uh, I'm going to say definitely under 100 yards. Definitely under 100 yards. He actually ran on 27 carries for 27 yards. <laughs> it's that bad. So, yeah. And this is not the Penn State defense that exactly. we're used to either. I know. They're, they're okay. They're not, you know, you're right to that, you know, that. Linebacker that skill that with the linebackers and everything, and you know Michigan does have success. They, the read option was working against Penn State, but they're right now in a, a year of kind of transition between you know Brady Hoke getting all of his guys in through recruits, mm-hmm. and then the old system kind of washing away. Devin Gardner is meant to be a spread quarterback. It's not a quarterback that Brady Hoke would bring in for his new system. So it's a weird, 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 weird year. For yeah, Michigan. and you know, uh, you know, Rich Rodriguez was here for a while, so we kind of learned a little bit about the, the kind of players that he likes. And uh, speaking on the offensive line, for one thing, his offensive lines were always um, thinner. Smaller. Um, yeah, yeah, year, smaller yeah. guys. They could move faster because it worked better in those zone read plays. Mm-hmm. You know, they needed to be able to get down the field. Um, probably what Brady's looking for is bigger guys that yes. can push you backwards, yes, not I, push you that, side to side. I hate to bring it like it's a cliche or whatever, but that kind of hard nose style is what Big Ten football has been, continues to be. Mm-hmm. You know, running the ball, playing tough, tough defense. Yeah, you know, some teams do try to spread offense, and it has occasional success. But you got to back it up with the really good defense. Well, even if you watch Ohio State this year, they've incorporated a lot more uh, into what Urban Meyer usually does compared to what he did at Florida. Mm-hmm. What he did at Florida was just all spread the ball all over the place. Um, definitely a lot more eye formation mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it's kind of what has been successful in this mm-hmm. conference. Just oh, what an awful Michigan game. They were up by 10 points. Yeah. With, you know, a few minutes to go and they did the whole thing of you play not to lose. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to lose. It's ask the new Orleans saints, how that feels. It seems like there's been so many of those games between Michigan and Penn state that end at the, like the last play of the game. Oh, there's a, there's a famous one where yeah. Mario Manningham, when he was at Michigan, you know, Catches it in the end zone as time expires mm-hmm. on the you know eight yard slant route. I mean, yeah, they, they always do play him tough, but Michigan hasn't beaten Penn State on the football field since 2002. Here, <laughs> it's they don't play him that often, and you know they'll be in different divisions as they are currently in different divisions. So it's not as often that they'd play them, but it's it's still. Do you uh, think Penn State's like if they were in a bowl game, they'd be in a bowl game? Mm-mm-mm. Considering how the current bowl environment is in college football, yes. Okay. When it All takes right. six to seven wins to get there, I think okay. they would. Um, okay. Like last year. Like last year, they. Yeah, they it would. It would they're not as good as they were last year. I don't think mm-hmm. they. They're you know kind of struggling with the, gosh, you know, Christian Hackenberg who yeah. to make them you know tie the game. 
put up three incredible passes, which were even more infuriating to watch because you had close defensive plays on it. Still, he's young. Uh, watch you out. Know, I think, that I think kid's going to be there. <laughs> he's going to be really good. But, you know, this year it's kind of some growing pains. So I don't think they were as good as they would have been last year. But considering what it takes to get into a bowl game these days, Not uh, I think I think they would if they weren't on probation. Uh, and then Georgia Tech and BYU. Uh, BYU, like we said, their defense is ready for the spread. They win by 18. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, pretty simple there. Which is, uh, you know, every <laughs> win we can get in the college football picks this year. That's a, yep. a good one. Because <laughs> a game like, you know, Syracuse and NC uh, State for an extra point, where the Wolfpack are favored by six and a half, and yeah, we say like, oh, Wolfpack, you know, we don't know much about this. Just oh, Wolfpack, ACC. Syracuse hangs a couple touchdowns on them to win by 14. Uh, that's it's wild. They're just supposed to be good at basketball. <laughs> well, it's not like they're good at football, but uh, NC State was kind of the underrated, you know, teams that you know kind of overperformed last year. Yeah. So we went three and four. We had the same exact picks. Uh, we had decaf seventy eight at twenty eight and twenty one. Which mm-hmm. this for this year, all things considered, that's really a, good. Yeah, that's a pretty damn good record. Uh, and the NFL, the Lions play the Cleveland Browns, and Tony. Uh, Tony Th uh, podcast co-host on Show Me Your News is trying to do the, the whole trash talk over Twitter. Did not work out so well for oh, him. Oh, that quarterback! Oh. Brandon Wheaton's not that good, and uh, yeah, the no. Lions kind of locked it down on defense in the second half. They twenty-four to nothing in the second half mm-hmm. as they win thirty-one seventeen. Uh, they're doing what they can do. I mean, usually these road games were a just a big, big, big problem for the Lions. You know, they kind of hold the record for most consecutive road losses ever in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, now they're doing what they should do, taking care of the, you know, not as good teams. They are 4-2 and two right now. And it's, yeah, the defense playing better and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. A big plus. Oh, yeah. And we've got, <laughs> a, you know, 6-7 tight end. Yeah. And he does touchdown dances after, but you know that's saying Joseph Fourier mm-hmm. from UCLA three touchdowns. That's a big one. Uh, Titans are big this year. They, they're <laughs> they're getting you know considerably just bigger each you know, each season in the NFL, a bigger mm-hmm. and bigger role. Uh, Calvin Johnson still hobbled by that knee injury. He comes in and he misses a couple catches in the end zone. I mean, you can't excuse that. Uh, he's just got to get got to get better. He makes that offense go. It's a distraction. Yeah, at least so. Uh, St. Louis at Houston. We we're talking about the Houston Texans, another another team struggling big this year, and yeah, they lose their quarterback. When you're favored by nine in the NFL, that's a big spread. St. Louis comes and wallops you. Yeah, they went by twenty five, thirty eight to thirteen. Wow. I think it would have been hard, even you know, if Schaub had stayed in mm-hmm. to to catch back up in that game. The defense is just struggling this year. <laughs> Yeah, we picked uh, only two differences in our picks last uh, week. One of yours was Kansas City, minus 9.5, covering that spread against the Oakland Raiders, and they did so, 24-7. Uh, you know, Oakland just did not show up. But yeah, Kansas City set the uh, the new noise record, apparently. Yeah. That used to be you know, uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. At the queue, and uh, you know they made a big deal to try to go for that earlier this year. They got it, and uh, then the same Guinness World Records guy goes down to Kansas City at Arrowhead, and the Chiefs, you know, go for it. So it's all like a little rivalry building. If they start getting, if they get some kind of home field advantage in the playoffs, that could 
be a potential benefit. Yeah, that'd be they're right now only undefeated team left with the next game, you know, the Denver Broncos, mm-hmm. who had the record we had it as a twenty six and a half for our method of, you know, the, the spread, but it was, you know, twenty eight at one point for a spread. It was an NFL record. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just are they're pitiful, and I picked the Jaguars because usually those kind of massive spreads, you know, teams don't cover. Crazy things can happen. You know, like Peyton Manning only throwing for two touchdowns. Oh no! Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, Denver obviously didn't have as good of a day on offense, and they still won by a comfortable margin. Yeah. I mean, that's that happens when you play bad teams. When you put up thirty-five points in the NFL, it's a good day. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. 35-19, the, the Broncos stay undefeated. So those two teams tied at the top of the AFC West and only undefeated teams left in the league. It's pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington, you know, a pretty hapless team going to Dallas. Uh, Cowboys favored by six, and Dallas wins handily by 15 points, 31-16. Not a surprise there. I, I mean, it seemed like the people in Dallas' defense – took that as we're getting better kind of thing. I mean, you don't really know with Washington the way they played this year, whether or not that was a good defensive performance or if it was just them starting to play the game in the second half or or, or what exactly. But um, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like if Dallas can play better defense, they could probably be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to miss Demarcus Ware. I mean, he's going to miss his first career game with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tough. Yep. Uh, Indianapolis at San Diego on Monday Night Football. Colts were favored by one. You both thought they'd take care of business. They're on a you know good streak, and San Diego just comes and shuts them down. Nineteen to nine for the Chargers. Go Chargers, go! <laughs> it didn't. It is. Indianapolis did not look good. Mm. Not what I was expecting. No, oh, and that's a big one coming into this week. So we both went three and three, and Decast seventy eight again. He's uh, twenty one and fifteen. That's a good good record. Yeah. Well done to him. So let's get into the pick six, starting on week eight of college football. TCU Horned Frogs at Oklahoma State Cowboys. OSU minus seven. Seven point favorites at noon Eastern. I'll take the Horned Frogs. You know, the games that they've lost in, you know, Big 12 play, I think they're one and two in Big 12. And they lost to Texas Tech was one of them. And I think Oklahoma was another. Mm-hmm. Those are close games. Yeah. Uh, I think seven points. And if we're a team in Oklahoma State that has been struggling, Mm-hmm. Past couple games, trying to find their offense. I think Gary Patterson's defense could keep it close, mm-hmm. if not pull the upset against number twenty-one ranked Oklahoma State. I think I'll just go with Oklahoma State mainly because they play better at home. Uh, like offensively, their numbers are very inflated at home compared to on the road. That offense looks awful. Mm. Um, and really, I think if they can somehow manage to run the ball. Uh, that I mean, because that's really how their all, all their offense goes. When we played them, uh, we didn't let them run the ball, and they just continually struggled. Um, all those they special liked, teams games yeah, too. They yeah. like to yeah, they like to run a little spread option because their quarterback can move. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of where it starts. That, that that's the only way they were able to run the ball against this. I think if they can get a little bit of option game going with their the running game, it's going to open up things. So, they still got two really good receivers. 
Um, I think uh, they, this is where they kind of find their offensive rhythm back at home again. And TCU is a good team, very scrappy. I mean, it seems like every game they've played, they've been. Remember, they fought LSU really tough at the beginning mm, yeah. of the year. Um, and they, you know, they went through quarterback injury. And uh, I, but I think uh, just by go, going back home, you know, working on things in practice, Oklahoma State finds a way to beat them by more than a touchdown. All right, Florida Gators go to Mizzou. Missouri is the underdogs by three and a half points, favoring the Gators there. 12-21 Eastern, we'd have this SEC bout. Well, if if Missouri sled Franklin, I'd probably pick them. Um, but uh, Florida's defense, I think, is just too tough in this game. Without, without your best player, I think that you're going to... I think essentially you're going up against probably the best overall defense in your league. Um, I, I think it's just going to be hard for them to score points, you know, without the guy running the offense. Um, and I think, you know, Florida finds a way and a couple games they played to get touchdowns late at the end of the game and cover those backdoor spreads. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they always find a way to win by like 10 at least. So I'm going to take them, even though it is on the road. Yeah, you said it. I mean, that James Franklin injury, that makes all the difference. Give me the Gators, just like you said. Uh, Auburn at Texas A&M. Texas A&M against Ole Miss last week, hanging on to kick that last second field goal. They're favored by 12.5 against Auburn at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. At home, I'll take the Aggies. I think they bounce back, and it's that, those intangibles for Johnny Manziel. I know Auburn is playing much better than they did last year. Mm-hmm. However, Aggies at home, I, I like their offense. They're mm-hmm. going to keep things rolling. Two touchdowns for as much as they can put up, I think it is possible for Texas A&M. I actually I like Gus Malzahn's team in this matchup because what does Texas A&M's defense not do well? They don't stop the run at all. And Auburn is a really good running team. Um, I think this is a shootout for sure. Um, I think that Auburn can keep it close. I think they can keep it closer than like 13 points. Mm. Uh, just based on the fact that I think Johnny Manziel is going to look a little slow out there. I think he's still shaken up. That's right. He did yeah. have the, the knee. And yeah. I think maybe it might be another week before you see him, especially you know he likes to keep plays alive and that kind of stuff. I think it's you know it's going to be harder for him to do that. He's going to have to strain a little bit harder. You won't you probably won't see him running for first downs, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think taking away those plays from the game, that's what makes him so much better than a lot of the other quarterbacks is the fact that he keeps the you know keeps the play alive. He'll run for a first down. They'll keep the drive line. They'll score a touchdown that's what kind of makes that offense go. He he makes the offense go. And if he can't use, you know, his full potential, it's going to hurt them offensively. Very interesting. UCLA at Stanford. Stanford minus six at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Coming off their first loss of the year. Who do you have? I think Stanford bounces back in this one, mainly because... Um, I think I think on the defensive front is where they're going to win this game. Um, you know, UCLA's defensive front's a little bit better, but I like 
I like offense. I like Stanford's offensive line better than I like UCLA's, and I kind of think that's where the game is won. Everyone wants to talk about <laughs> the skill players because there's really good skill players in this game, probably some of the best in the country. But I, <clears throat> I don't think UCLA is going to be able to throw the ball over the place against Stanford. I don't think that their quarterback is going to get enough time, and if Stanford can keep them from running the ball they can definitely beat them by more than a touchdown. Mm. See, I don't think they bounce back. Uh, I think they still stumble a little bit and taken a little bit off guard mm-hmm. by a very talented UCLA team. I mean, that is a, that is a high you know, ranking matchup, not as high as the, the game we've been looking forward to yeah. for a lot of this year. But I think UCLA keeps it close. Stanford wins, mm-hmm. but less than six. Give me UCLA to prevent Stanford from covering. Should be a good one. Iowa at Ohio State. Ohio State here by 17. The matchup we've all been with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of the best Big Ten matchups this week, and that's you know not really saying much. Uh, but I'll take the Buckeyes to cover the 17. I know Iowa does have a good defense, and Ohio State has you know been a little tested against some of the, the tougher competition in the Big Ten. But I don't think oh, Iowa has the offense to go against Ohio State's defense. And mm-hmm. 17, I think, should be possible to cover. I mean, Northwestern, Northwestern was that was a big game for them. They have the offense, you know, spreading them out and all that. Iowa is one of those just you know, line it up and run. You know, yeah. Iowa could have a defense to hold and limit the points. But even if Ohio State wins 17 nothing, that that covers, you know? Yeah. So. The the in the environment at yeah. Northwestern was one of the best I've seen all year, which is pretty crazy because you don't expect that. Well, they don't have and the stadium built they, for a big big crowd. Yeah, and I mean, we just we don't see many big games there, so I don't watch that many games there. Um, but uh, that was their Super Bowl, pretty much. Uh, you know, going back to Ohio State, um, I kind of feel like maybe if this was like a noon start. Something like that, they could sneak up on them and somehow yeah, break the cover. But because it's a little bit later in the day, I think they'll be ready to like take care of business, which is what they should do. I mean, at 17 isn't a giant spread for this game. It probably could have been higher. Um, at least from what we've seen from Ohio, Ohio State's offense, you know, scores points in bunches. Um, and just really, I don't think Iowa has the talent to keep up with them in this game. Um, maybe a few years down the line. Who knows? Maybe. Now this is the big one. We were talking about this ACC matchup all year. It's number three, Clemson. Hosting number five, Florida State. Florida State favored by three on the road in this one at 8 p.m. Who yeah. do you have? Well, it's good that neither of them has Clemson so far. <laughs> Um, because, you know, these are two teams that, um, actually usually after like a big matchup like this is where they would screw up, uh, cause we get big expectations for both these teams all the time. And then they somehow manage to lose a game they shouldn't lose. But when they play each other, it's usually a big game like last year. Um, and, uh, I, I, I think in this one, you know, it's at Clemson. Which is a it's a hard place to play. A night game at Clemson is really hard. I I think you know, ask Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um 
And so I think Clemson's prepared for that a little bit better than Florida State is. As far as what the schedule has been so far, I I think not only that, but Clemson's got better leadership on offense. Um, they've got a quarterback who's been in many big games, and you know you can we can all talk about Jameis Winston how amazing he's played this year. I mean. For all intents and purposes, last week was supposed to be a really big game for them, and it, you know it wasn't, or not the was it the week before that um, against Maryland, and ended up not being one. Uh, so you know if you're looking at it that way, then maybe they are that good. But I just I I like Clemson's defensive line in this one. I think they'll get after him they'll challenge him much more than he's been challenged all year because nobody really has. No team mm-hmm. has put enough pressure on him at all. I mean, and he really hasn't been forced to make tough decisions. He's kind of just split zone defenses apart. And they've been able to run the ball on everybody they played, that kind of thing. I just think Clemson presents a much greater challenge than he's seen all year. And there's nothing wrong with going on the road at Clemson as a freshman and losing at all because that's that's a really tough matchup for anybody um but i i think it'll be close i think it'll still be a good game but i still see it being like in a touchdown touchdown favor to clemson at home i think you pretty much covered everything right there i'm going clemson because as much as i like florida state and i did pick them to win the acc it's these kind of games that they have not won you know these big high profile games or they've slipped up you know, sometime before then. And I, I like the home environment for Clemson. Yeah. That, that's a tough place to play for Florida State. And regardless so, of who wins, uh, I mean, they're setting themselves up really nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an entertaining as hell game for sure. And whoever wins, you know, they're going to be that third seed in the BCS when that comes out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're just, and then all you got to do is win the games you're supposed to and wait for somebody to screw up. Assuming that Alabama and Oregon both win, they'd maintain that. Yeah. Uh, the extra point, if you don't have it, so you know we're, we have extra point games, so we're not picking it, but it's the USC, Southern Cal, and Notre Dame rivalry. It's in South Bend this year. Notre Dame's here by three. I, I got to like Notre Dame in this matchup. I mean, these are teams that have kind of underperformed and you know, not met up to the expectations, but USC with the turnover they're going through with coaches and, and that thing right now, um, you know, I like Notre Dame's talent better. Yeah, I, Brian Kelly is a good coach. As as much as people might not like him, mm-hmm. um, it, I think it's a better situation with what he's got going on there than what's happening at USC right now. Regardless of regardless of the talent on the field, actually, I think there's. Anytime you switch coaches during the season, there's going to be problems uh, in practice, whatever. The players won't listen to you, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think, you know, it's it's also a rivalry game. I'm sure Notre Dame is focused and ready, and USC's probably got all these questions. Like, we don't know yeah. who's going to be our coach, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. that kind of turmoil is never good. Uh, my extra point game, because. And, you know, the team I represent, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, they're hosting Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Wolverines are favored by 7.5 points, 3.30 p.m. start mm-hmm. in Eastern time. I'll take Michigan hesitantly. 
I think it's going to be a closer game because Indiana does have a good you know, spread offense. Mm-hmm. Surprising, I know. Uh, so I think they'll challenge Michigan, but I think they keep it close and you know, garbage points at the end of the game. Uh, Do you think it's going to be like a low-scoring basketball game score? No, no. I think it's going to be more of a shootout, if anything. Well, um, I mean, that's what I meant. Like a oh, low-scoring no, basketball gosh, game. I got you. <laughs> High-scoring football game. I can see high 30s, low 40s, so that'd be a very low-scoring basketball game, which is almost kind of like Big Ten basketball in a way. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I'm hesitant to pick Michigan because I have a gut feeling that it's going to give them more trouble, but uh, if I don't it's, pick In a that, shootout, it's very hard to do that, too. It's hard to pick, not pick the points in a shootout. And, and you know, I just got the feeling that you know, if I don't pick them, something's going to happen where they just do a backdoor cover, and so I'm going to bank on that. I th- yeah, I think their defense needs to definitely needs to rebound from last week. I've got to, I've got to. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be tough. I mean, Indiana put you know twenty some points up on Michigan State's defense, and that's a mm-hmm. that's a good defense. What about yours? Um, well, I have Texas Tech at West Virginia. They're undefeated. I'm not really sure why the spread is. As low as it is, I'm guessing that's just home field advantage talking. Mm-hmm. I because I really don't know, which is weird because we really didn't get much in the you know respect for the Oklahoma State game. That, that spread was still very wide. Um, so I don't know. I guess I would expect you know after watching us against Baylor, it probably would have been bigger. Um, but yeah, I mean it's still lower than a touchdown. And I think Texas Tech can come in and win by more than a touchdown. Because um, I think they're still good. They're having, I think they have injuries at quarterback right now, which is not good. Um, I know one of our quarterbacks, I think, is out for the season. Hmm. Um, which one? Uh, the redshirt freshman. Oh, no. Uh, pe- torn pectoral oh. muscle. Um, so I'm pretty sure Trickett will still start for us. Um, I I think is he feeling better? He's coming off of that injury yeah, in the... I think he's I think he's doing better, especially after the bye week. Yeah. Um and I, I still think with our offensive line issues, he's the best choice because he can he's the quickest one of the bunch. Um I think as long as our as our defense can do what they've done, you know, excluding the Baylor game because that was <laughs> That's Baylor, and they're really good. Um, it in the red zone. Actually, I guess they never scored in the red zone against us because all their touchdowns were much longer than that. Um, as long as we can play good red zone defense, we could probably keep it close. I just like Texas Tech because you know, seven points. I think it, you know this is really all they need. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be another really big upset win for us. I, we play much better at home, so who That's knows? True. We we need wins to get into a bowl game, so maybe <laughs> maybe we can steal one. But Texas took, Tech has looked really good so far. They struggled last week, though. Mm-hmm. All right, well, the playoff baseball game, game five between the Red Sox and Tigers has already started, so we've got to get these NFL picks here, and we'll start. It's in week seven. Wow, the NFL season <laughs> just flies by. It's, that's crazy. New England Patriots at New York Jets plus four. You know, the Jets are playing better than expected. It's tempting to pick them. But picking against New England, especially after the way they came back in that game against New Orleans last week, I can't do it. 
Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Give me the Pats. Yeah. Um, I think that he he's finally getting comfortable with the receiving core that he has. And they're Denver only Tompkins. They're only gonna get better, I think, offensively as the year keeps going on. And their defense seems to find ways, like last week, seems to find ways to stop New Orleans. I don't even know how. Um Yeah. I I I think that also because of the, you know, the first matchup, uh you know, Gino struggled so much against their defense. I think he's still gonna have trouble. He's he struggled against the Steelers this past week too. Though that hurts to lose Jared Mayo. Mm-hmm. That, that really hurts. You got the Pats? Yep. All right. What do you about the uh, the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles? Eagles favored by three? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What? Is that right? Pretty sure. I guess I'll take Dallas. Uh, I think they can outscore Philadelphia. I don't know what I don't know what the the over under is on these defenses, but yeah, Philly Philly's uh, favored in this one. Yeah, I'll take Dallas just because I think that they can score more than Philly. Hmm. Yeah, give me the Cowboys as well. I like the the defense, you know, to of the Cowboys to have a better chance of slowing down the Chip Kelly offense. With you know, after the first game, what has it done? It's, uh, it's, it's surprisingly really running kind of, into. NFL defenses. <laughs> NFL defenses and, you know, NFL officials not seem yeah. to keep up that pace. So, uh, surprising. I'm shocked Philly's favored. Uh, give me the Cowboys. Yeah. Buffalo Bills at Miami Dolphins minus 9.5 at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's a big mm, spread. It is. That's a big spread. So, I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, I think, you know, they'll play those, you know, the AFC East rivals a little tougher. Yeah, and uh, Miami after that three and zero start, I don't think they've lived up to the expectations there. Um, I think Miami can still win, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, it seems like every Miami game I've watched, I can't really figure out what they're trying to do on offense and defensively. Because uh, they're using a former wide receiver as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like it seems like there's a lot of. Uh, confusion with what their philosophy is right now and um bills sneak up on you they snuck up on a couple teams they might not have won many games at all but they snuck up on a few teams i think they can still do that uh any kind of anything close to 10 points is a big spread in the nfl exactly (laughs) when you're not sure about either team (laughs) so uh yeah i'll go with buffalo too Here's a big AFC North matchup that may have lost a little bit of a luster with the way the teams are playing this year. Baltimore Ravens at Pittsburgh Steelers. Your Steelers are favored by one. Are you taking them? It's I a kind of a pick them here. I guess that's a home field advantage one. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, they only won one game. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, unless Joe Flacco comes out and throws a couple interceptions... I don't really see why the Steelers would be favored. Because, uh, you know, Baltimore is at least, they've played some decent teams and, you know, played tough and won a few games. So I guess I'll go with Baltimore. I'll take the Steelers. I'll, I'll be on their bandwagon a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that was a good win last week for them against the New York Jets team that has a really solid defense as well. And 
you know, they're, they're a team that on paper looks like they could at least beat teams. I know it's a tough 0-4 start. Yeah. You know, really, you know, one of the worst in you know, the Steelers' recent history, at least. But, you know, uh, compared to a team like the Jaguars, who don't look like they could beat anyone if they tried, they at least have the pieces. I mean, it's good to see yeah. Le'Veon Bell back and playing after that, you know, potentially yes. scary Liz Frank injury. <laughs> um, you know, I think... Yeah, and the Ravens, they've been a letdown this year. For your defending Super Bowl champions... Uh, this is a have, hard game to start off with. Uh, it is, but they got to, you know, find that, you know, kind of fire inside them. Ray Lewis isn't going to be on the sideline all the time, yeah. you know? So, know? It just seems like... Uh, uh, oh, oh, with the Steelers, I heard that they took away, like, their, their like... Uh, was it their pool tables and their right. all their like things that they their play things in their where they hang out and maybe that worked. Maybe <laughs> if Mike not Tomlin. Gonna, yeah, if you're not going to win games, you're not going to get to play games. Yeah, Mike Tomlin was focusing on the obviously a bit too much, and that obviously that's why they lost. So obviously we had to take those things away. Obviously, <laughs> now give me the Steelers at home. Uh, Denver Broncos. Oh, this is this is the big one in the NFL. <laughs> All this Jim Ursay, Indianapolis Colts, one Super Bowl ring with Peyton Manning, and it's the big matchup of Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos going back to the place he built in Indianapolis. Broncos are favored by six and a half on the road. It's your Sunday night football game, and I'm taking the Broncos. Get that vengeance, Peyton Manning. Get that. This might be where you see him throw for a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> Pound him in the dirt. I, I <laughs> Honestly, if there's a team that I really like in the AFC, it is the Indian- Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had you know, great progress with Andrew Luck. You know, a couple games here and there aside. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Peyton Manning slappy. Yeah, I think that's I, what I think that's what happened like with a lot of people whenever he switched teams too, because there are a lot of people who were Indianapolis fans because of Peyton Manning. Yep, guilty. Uh, but he he made that team, and I know Jim Irsay said like that wasn't what he meant, you know, to have it be a diss to Peyton Manning. But then maybe he shouldn't have also moved the team from Baltimore in the middle of the night. So you know, yeah. <laughs> just saying beat him down Peyton a touchdown easy Broncos yeah I I'm kind of feeling like it's gonna be like a seven like at least 17 point kind of thing like I feel like after last week where you know oh they didn't score 40 points mm-hmm. kind of thing they come out and they they score and they score and they score I, yeah, it definitely could be like an, like another like five touchdown day for Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think also like the last time, you know, Brett Favre going into Green Bay for the first time when he was mm-hmm. with Minnesota. That was a big game for him, and you know, he won handily. Yeah, make make more argument for the MVP. It's gonna be it's gonna make it for good television. Yeah. Uh, finally on Monday night, two not so good teams at the Minnesota Vikings going to the New York Giants. Giants favored by three and a half. Who do you have? Um, I'll go with Minnesota because it just seems like every time I've watched the Giants, they just cannot stop anything on defense at all. And they turn the ball over so much on offense. 
and then they put that deep, that terrible defense in bad field position. I, I don't know. It's they just look awful <laughs> this year. Like, and and you know, Minnesota's not so good this year either. What I have on offense with them, I think they can run the ball all over the Giants. With Josh Freeman might be starting too. Yeah. So watch out for that. I'm so tempted to pick Minnesota, but I think the luck's got to break soon for the, the Giants. And if they don't, they've got some rough games ahead of them. It's going to be a while before they get a win. So it's their season on the line or bust for the G-Men. I just um, would never want to like announce that game. <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> what are they going to talk about half the time? Oh, Eli Manning is making another derpy face uh, well it's gonna be gonna be quite the weekend although i don't know if i'm gonna be able to watch you know much football or anything like that i mean we're probably doing painting on our basement mm-hmm. this weekend we're hoping to have it done around thanksgiving and definitely you know we're gonna have a big bring, super bowl bring party the and old, all that. uh the old uh computer down there and fire up espn3 there you go and I don't know what you can do for the NFL. I think you can watch like something on the NFL online if you put in like your account stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Like Red Zone or something like that. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, and then my brother Sword Hunter on Sunday is leaving for China. Oh, yeah. Going there for 10 days. And when he comes back, he gets one day to recover. <laughs> then it is off to Yomacon. So. We'll have a Friday, or sorry, a Wednesday night recording mm-hmm. next week because Thursday is going to be. Oh no, it's, Yomacon's in two weeks. Yeah, we're talking about it. It's, it's so soon. And I have so you got much a to little do. bit longer to work on stuff. To work on everything. My <laughs> goodness, there's so much to do. But the, they were joking earlier about um, who's they about uh, was it in like the Yomacon chat. They were jo- joking earlier about like bringing a football and, oh, yeah. and like tossing football outside. And then someone's like, yeah, we got to wear suits like in the room. <laughs> well, you know what? The funny thing with that is I'm going to be wearing a suit because I'm going to be Giovanni from team rocket as oh. is currently the plan. So the suit part will be fulfilled. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if there are any football shows out there. Or f- uh, there are there is, a football manga. It's called I Shield Twenty One. I'm assuming it's not that good. No, not really. <laughs> uh, well, um, last because last year during that that LSU Alabama game was going on, and I had to like I was down in the hotel bar like trying to watch the end of it. You know what game's going on this year during Yomacon? What? It's Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, no. So I'm kind of glad I'm away from all of that. <laughs> rivalry nastiness oh man so that's gonna be something well joel it's been fun mm-hmm. um i hope you have a a good weekend yeah, coming weekend so oh, oh there you go extra big, motivation big tailgate lots of people coming in one of my friends is on homecoming court yeah it's gonna be good extra motivation for the mountaineers there and i get to go watch a frustrating baseball team Woo! an important game there so With that, I am Peter. And I'm Joel. We hope you enjoy the week in sports.